Welcome to the Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive, where you have access to all the amazing insights Dr. Finlayson Fife has shared through hundreds of interviews. I'm Mackenzie, Dr. Finlayson Fife's assistant, and we are so glad that you're here. This week, we are sharing the very raw and real second half of the interview with Unashamed Unafraid. Be sure to visit Dr. Finlayson Fife's website and take a look at the Art of Loving course that's on sale now for Father's Day. Enjoy the episode. So, yeah. uh, Jennifer, I know that I'm switching gears just slightly on this, but you had brought up um, the, the, the integration um, that yes. needs to happen. Um, and I know that that is part of your, um, the art of loving course that you're, that you're doing right now. Yes. Um, yes. and I had a friend, um, a couple of friends take that course and, and found that that part of the course was really, um, an eye opener for them. Can you just give us expand on that just a little bit more about, sure. it, cause you touched on it. Yeah. Can you just open up well, on that a little more. I mean, I, I think the sort of the, the overarching way that I think about this is that, I also have a how to talk to your kids about sex course that the goal is to help your kids have sexual integrity. And what I mean by that is how to um, basically integrate your God-given sexuality, right? So a lot of us have this idea like, well, to be good, you have to be at arm's length with your sexuality as opposed to sexuality is a gift. It's, it's a beautiful part of being human. And can I, but it's a vulnerable part of being human. And I think when we're young, we think of it as either, you know, either you're good and dutiful or you're bad and, and have pleasure. I mean, I think that's kind of an early interpretation of sexuality and pleasure and goodness. So to be strong, you, you can't be a house divided. You have to basically be able to accept that sexuality is part of being human. It, it is a part of like rejecting the perfectionism frame is to integrate sexuality, is to say to be human is to be sentient, alive, uh, imperfect, flawed, you know, and also have this strange thing of sexuality. That, so to, to just to come to terms with who it is, what it is to be human is its own spiritual development, in my opinion. And doesn't doesn't happen easily, but you can have messaging that actually interferes with that process. So even though that's an unfolding process, in the most ideal situation, it still takes time to come to peace with your embodiment and who you are as a flawed human being. That we are often giving messages that corrupt that process, like sexuality is scary and sex is stronger than you are, and watch out. And if you have these feelings, there's something wrong with you, as opposed to if you have these feelings, there's something right about you. Um and so the, the goal of this course is how do you come to terms with accepting this part of your embodiment, but part of what facilitates that integration is also living up to your highest values around it. And I don't mean this in, in a perfectionistic way. I mean this in how do I relate to my sexuality in a way that creates joy and goodness in my life and joy and goodness in the lives of people that I care about, right? So what does it mean about how I relate to this? similar to food. How do I relate to pleasure in food or how do I relate to the sensuality of food in a way that creates joy and strength in my life? Because then it gets it off of, I can't, I shouldn't. And more like, what am I aiming for? I want to be in a healthy relationship to, let's say food, to, to my body. I want to 
I want to nourish it. I also want to have pleasure. I want to do that in a way that that makes me a stronger, happier person, not in a way that undermines my peace with myself. So, so the living up to your higher values is what is it that I'm shooting towards? And with sexuality, it's like, if I want to be capable of loving through my sexuality and I want to be capable of a deep, rich relationship, how am I, is what I'm choosing right now getting me closer to that goal or farther from that goal? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't keep get into this sort of struggle. I shouldn't touch myself. I shouldn't think this. I shouldn't feel that more like, okay, what is it that I want? And is this facilitating me arriving there or not? Yeah. And so that integration, when, when you feel like you're the chooser and you are coming to the ability to accept what it is to be human and you're in a more creative agency-based process, well, you're not in power struggles with yourself and with these messages. You're more, you're, you've got all the wheels pointing in the right direction then. And then you're more like, okay, is this really what I want? And if I don't want that for myself, what do I want? So when you, when you feel like it's within you, and this is what happened for my son. Like, do I really want a life where I'm in the basement on video games? Okay, like, and no, I don't, but that means I have to face things that feel scary for me. I have to confront my perfectionism. I have to kind of tolerate letting myself be human and letting myself be exposed to myself, even as flawed, you know? So it's like, but I would rather do that than do this other thing to myself. And so, you know, it's like once he kind of got it from rebelling against being pressured, you know, and more into who do I want to be, that's when everything came together for him. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's so, that's it. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Then just like that, that's the, you know, cause I believe all truth kind of fits together wherever you find it. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty pure unadulterated if you're listening. So hold on to that. Uh, so how do I, like if, if I'm day one, so I'm thinking of myself, you know, seven years ago, six years ago. And if I'm shifting my mindset on my, you know, unwanted sexual behavior, whatever it is, you know, the, the, the bad things that I've done or the misaligned things. And yeah. I'm, I'm trying to bounce between how everyone talks about it and how we've defined right now, how we should talk about it. <laughs> so, so catching everyone, but so that stuff, um, how do I start the conversation with my partner? Right. So how do I say to right my Christian wife, Hey, I totally believe in like this stuff I've done cheating on you is wrong. And there's this exposure, self-accept, there's this growth that I want to be a part of. How, how do I have that conversation if I'm early in this process with my partner? So I, I would say it's, you don't, you don't want to be insensitive to your partner, of course. Okay. You don't want to use truth as a weapon. Some people do that, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be clear about what you're in fact doing. But again, one of the kindest things you can do to facilitate your spouse's safety is just start showing them who you are at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And that is a kind of intimacy that doesn't feel good to either person, but it is intimate. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, when I see people start trusting their spouse, is it's strange because it's often when the darkest thing has just been revealed. Mm -hmm. And you see like the, the spouse starts to settle down because she's like and her respect for her husband goes up 
because she starts to see like he's courageous. He's not screwing around anymore. He's going to be straight with me. And even though I don't necessarily like what he's saying, it's like the paradox. Like, I can't believe what you're saying. And I'm so relieved you're saying it. (laughs) And a lot of times people are in that paradox. Like, I want to get away from you. And yet I also feel more compelled and hopeful in a way that I haven't before. Because something more honest is emerging. Don't you think that there's part of that, that they knew there was dishonesty? Because so often we hear from partners like, I knew I was doing the Disneyland Prince thing and I knew it wasn't all real. The collusion part, they kind of know. That's right? right. That's right. Exactly. So it's also like, I'm not crazy because sometimes they know, but then they're like, they want to believe that they're wrong. And so they kind of are like, okay, I'm just one of those anxious, paranoid types. And, and they kind of feel crazy, but they kind of prefer crazy to really dealing with what's in front of them. When what's in front of them emerges, there's a kind of anger, like, how come you've been lying to me? But a relief about I can track reality and a relief that this person seems to be taking himself on. When I see people start to self-confront, they're not worried so much at that point about whether or not they're, I mean, they may care about the impact on their spouse, but they're not trying to manage the view of themselves in their spouse's eyes. Mm -hmm. They have let go of how anybody else feels about this. Like when you you know, James are just saying like, okay, here's who I am. This is what I've done. You know, that's, that's a person who's no longer pretending. Right. And I don't mean to say you have no places in your life where you pretend. I'm just saying that you're, you're cleaner and clearer and more honest. And that makes you a more trustworthy person when you're not going to let, when, when you don't screw with the truth and when you're willing to, um, allow what's true to be more important than how you're seen. Mm. And so when you're saying, how do you do this? I think it's the biggest thing is I, the only way I'm going to find my strength is to put how I'm seen on the altar and talk as honestly as I can to myself, to God, to my partner, that that is what sets you free. My favorite scripture is the truth sets you free. And when I was a young person, the thing I'm probably most grateful to my younger self for having done was I made a commitment that I would be as honest with myself as I could be when I was up against unhappiness within myself or with other people. Like, who am I in this? What is my role in this? Um, And that doesn't keep you from any vulnerability, but it does allow you to have less vulnerability around who you are it does allow you to become a more trustworthy person i mean for your spouse we always do things in marriage that can hurt our spouse's feelings or that undermine their happiness but when you're partnered with somebody who will yield to what is true right rather than how they're seen you know that can make a marriage (laughs) because then you can keep self-correcting you you trust your spouse not to be perfect you trust your spouse to be honest Well, and you trust yourself as a person. It's just deeply accountable, deeply accountable in, in the choices that you're going to make and why you made them. That's huge. There's no, you don't move to shame and blame anymore. You're just owning, you're just owning yourself and your thoughts and your actions. Totally. And I've, I've often shared with men who have not disclosed 
right? The truth about what's going on with them. I'm like, look, there's a real simple difference. When you go home and your wife says, hey, I love you, or you have some a sexual experience or eating dinner together or whatever level of intimacy, you will always have the question and the shame if she knew would Absolutely. she really. And I said, look, That's the difference right. between me and you is I may go home and she may still be pissed or something might still be off, but at least I know when she says, hey, I love you or let's be intimate or do dinner together or whatever, that is a, I can take that in because I know yes. she knows the whole thing. And Definitely. So, uh, and so much of being able to receive love from others, I mean, paradoxically, is to feel lovable. And I don't mean perfect or without flaw or that it isn't a gift that someone loves you because they certainly don't have to love you. Right. But to say, like, I don't think they're making it on false you know, assumptions mm-hmm. and they do know who I am and they still love me. It makes it all the more precious, but also receivable. Mm-hmm. So if, if I'm the partner in the collusion side of this, that I've tried to create Disneyland and I've tried to, you know, have my partner fit that prince or princess role. And I'm on that side of it that I'm saying, I don't have some big skeleton in the closet that I need to disclose, but I want this mm-hmm. to now enter my marriage. So switching seats to that partner, mm-hmm. how would you approach that conversation with someone who's you know, your gut is telling you, or they may have partially disclosed and gaslighted yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. I think what you know, I, how do I enter that? would say is, so again, you're, you're entering into a very honest conversation. It's not like I know, and I'm going to, you know, take you down. It's like, I'm going to be unflinchingly honest. I don't trust you. I don't know the contours of that distrust because I feel like you keep so much of who you are from me. But one thing I can't get away from is that I do not trust you. And I keep thinking I should pretend like I do for myself, for you. But I can't keep living dishonestly like this. Here's the truth. I don't trust you. Can you help me understand why I don't? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's just straight down to the heart of it, right? (laughs) Dude, as someone who, to be honest, Jennifer, as someone who... Is, is like fierce honesty has been a track of mine for several years of even the, like the little things, you know? Um, I feel like this call to like double down on like my truth and honesty. Like I know I don't have some giant skeleton in the closet anymore, but as we've been talking about this and, and the reason I'm saying this is the, the free that you're talking about. Like yeah. I, I have a lot of, of freedom from my sexual addiction that people are, are, in process, working on no judgment, whatever. But yeah. even, even with that piece, that elephant in the yeah. room, that big thing, not in, in my marriage anymore, in my life. I mean, you can read yeah. my story on the internet everywhere. Yeah. Um, I still like, I feel this deep calling to what you're saying. And what that tells me is like, there's a truth and a beauty here that I hope everyone listening is seeing like to live out of that level of authenticity, to let someone love you at that level I think you said it right on. It is spiritual. Like that, that is a yeah. spiritual journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the truth will, the part they edited out was, you know, in the truth shall set you free is the truth will drive you to your knees and it will hurt. <laughs> <laughs> then it will set you free. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, we avoid the truth because it pressures our growth. It, it makes us confront what is real which can be so sobering, but that's where something strong and beautiful can grow. And it is worth it. That is where the freedom and the joy 
and the beauty lies, but you have to give up the superficial. You have to give up the control over how you might be seen or not seen. You have to give up your arrogance in a way. And I don't mean that just in a simple minded way. I mean it like I'm thinking about myself. Like I just, I want the world to be this way. I don't want to deal with that part of me. And so, but that's an act of faith to be willing to submit to what is true. And then you have fertile ground in which to create something better, more beautiful, more worthy, stronger. And so it's, it is absolutely what's the word it's like the what is the word it's just like this true north Mm. it's like that is the thing to anchor to it's the thing that will make your life stronger but up front it will you'll feel so weak that's what's the paradox is when people are self-confronting and being really honest i have so much respect for them it's inspiring to me like the moral courage in it Mm -hmm. at the same time that they're like i am full of crap (laughs) so they're like i am so like they feel humbled to the core and yet it's their most courageous beautiful reality Uh, and you know just a place they can grow from but that's what true strength is is to be willing to submit to what's true yeah well and and as you as you enter that life the the other thing i think that got edited out in that scripture was ain't everybody gonna stay with you and, and and everybody want to go because I have found I have right. lost friends I have had change in some family relationships I have had things happen because not and it's not a hey I'm I'm right or I'm better I'm using air quotes no. and no, it's right. it's that people at different times I know earlier in my life I had people I had two sisters sitting at my wedding that knew. I had stuff under the surface and to your point, they didn't know the contours of what that was, but they're like, huh, I wonder how this is going to go for him. And I wasn't ready to see it. So no judgment on anyone, but a a PS to that scripture is probably everyone's not going to stay with you because there are people, as you step into that authenticity, um, right. To use our word unashamed, right. As you, as you be unashamed or, you know, really go to that true North, there are people who aren't ready to step out of their collusion so they are going to distance right. themselves from you because it's it, it's too overwhelming for them. Absolutely. No question. Yeah, and that's the other scary part of it is I think people sometimes think if I do get more honest, if I do get stronger, like the the you know, the woman asking that question, I don't trust you. I mean, there's enormous courage in that because first of all, my view of myself and this marriage is about to blow up. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And there's no guarantee that my spouse is going to confront himself or become stronger, or join me in creating something better. I mean, the chances have gone up if you're going to show that kind of moral courage and really stand up for it. But there is no guarantee. And so the load on somebody to really take that step out into the dark, I mean, that's why faith is a virtue, is you're daring to go towards what's true without the guarantee that the people that matter most to you will join you or or to grow themselves. There's no guarantee, but it's the only way to find out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in, in hopes to, uh, stand in truth, I'm going to challenge James and I to something right here with you, Jennifer, and you're welcome to join us if you would like, but I won't put you on the spot. James, we have been called out by JFF 
to live in authenticity and truth and yes. to quit messing around and get closer to true north. So what is a truth that you need to own and myself as well? Let's name one right now. Let's take the courage. Let's be unashamed and step into a collusion that you are living in. A collusion that I'm living in. Um, I'll let you take the lead on that, Steve, uh, since, since that's such a brilliant idea. Um, go ahead and why don't you name one? And- yeah. So um, a, a, a collusion, uh, I think, that is still sitting with me um, because it comes up all the time, Jennifer, for me that I um, think it's, it's real, um, is that because I am young in my career, so I got licensed in August as a therapist, mm-hmm. Um okay. Because I'm young in my career and because I don't have years of sobriety in addiction recovery, um, the collusion I have with myself is don't share that information, hide it, cover it up, because then I cannot be this image, this prince, to use our analogy, of someone who can actually help people. Because in my heart, I know, like... I know God has called me this place. Like I know I am capable of helping people. And, and I've seen it in my work that I'm like, no, I, I have something to offer in this capacity in place. But the collusion I have is like, I kind of have some shame around my story. Like I kind of want to bury my head in the sand, fast forward three years and be like, I've got the L behind my name. I'm X years sober. Um, still in, still in don't have my full blessings back in the church. So rebaptized in February. Um, and, uh, that's a, that's a truth I want to step into and own of, of some insecurity and humanness for me that I want to do it perfect and be perfect for everyone. Cause I believe if I do that for everyone, then they'll want me. Yeah. And not even like the money will I have clients part of it, like emotionally that I will be accepted. Right. Totally in collusion. Yeah, that's good. All right, Mr. Wilhite. My turn. Um, Well, you call me out on my collusion. You see it all the time and you you call BS on it. Um, And for me, it's just that I have nothing to offer. Mm. Um, I might be. um, So the the one that comes to my mind is that, um, yeah, you're useful, but you're not essential. Right. And so it's this double edged sword of like, oh, well, you're helpful enough that people kind of would like to have you around, but you're always disposable. And right at, at the core, I I would speak to that's probably around some abandonment issues or whatever. Right. If you want to go to attachment theory or whatever. But at its core, um, I'm I'm still working on the shame of I'm just not enough and never will be. So I'm not essential in, in my own life or in anybody else's life that I'm, I'm just not enough. And I'm not going to right at the core. That's probably what it is. Just not enoughness. And so stepping into that, I got to work on how is that then if I'm going to speak in Jennifer language, how is that serving me and why? And, um, how can I have more integrity around playing why am i playing small or taking that one down position with myself um 
all the time. Right. Or most of the time. And this is why I think you keep sexually acting out. Why you don't have years of sobriety. Because then you'd have to own a larger story that you're someone who's overcome. Hmm. Yeah. And well, and just something I think with some of my clients uh, and with myself in, in this same frame is there's something about saying I'm weak or I'm not enough that just kind of, at least for me, is like a way of getting myself off the hook to this larger responsibility or to go do, or to kind of, you know, it it looks humble. It looks like safer to kind of step back so it can look good because to be self-debasing looks better than self-aggrandizing. But it's also a way of sidestepping the moral responsibility to step out and take a risk or to grow into your capacity to own the fact that you have impact on other people, whether or not you're going to acknowledge you do. And you have something to offer them if you're courageous, whether or not you're going to acknowledge you do. So it's like a way of, I don't know for you, James, what it is, but I think it can be a way of like letting yourself off the hook in the name of humility, or I just don't have that much self-confidence and trying to get out of the moral conversation that we're all in, whether or not we want to be in it. (laughs) Well, it's faithless really. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. And it's safe. It's safe. And a lot of times when people play small, I think it's trying to find a safety that doesn't exist because it has moral impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the, in our LDS culture, I, I call it the Honda Accord ego. (laughs) because i i drive jennifer i drive a honda accord because i'm humble it's a choice that i make because i don't i don't need the flashy things i don't i can just sit in the back row and fold the chairs and serve because i am humble yeah yeah which i'm like that's as big of an ego as the guy who leverages himself to the hilt to buy a benz like it's an image it's an image management so yeah i think that what you're saying is i kind of have certain amount of my identity that i'm or of my flaws that i'm willing to put out there but then maybe it gets static and there's a way in which it can become like its own story that steps away from what's true and i don't mean to say that in a public position you have to always be revealing everything about yourself but but you know, how much am I going back to this image as opposed to staying human and real and allowing myself to be knowable even to myself? I think that's just like a, an ongoing challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let me see if I'm just thinking about what, which self-confrontation I want to talk about. <laughs> well, let's give some props. Let's give some props to, to JFF being real on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see what you think after. I say um, I'm just thinking about, well, last night my husband and I were having a conversation about, you know, it's, he was saying, I don't know if it's such a virtue in himself. Cause I was just saying, you know, you've been an easy person for me to trust. We were just kind of reflecting back on, on when we met and fell in love with each other and so on. And, you know, I said, you're, you've just been an easy person for me to be real with and an easy person for me to be honest with. And, and that's true. He absolutely has been. But I think that what was also becoming evident 
in that conversation, this is not such a new, new idea, but I think I was thinking about it a little bit different way is that John's tendency is to kind of his first impulse is to think it's my fault or I'm the one who has erred here and, you know, kind of take on more responsibility than what is his in a situation. That's his first inclination. And I have become better at this, but I know I can still take advantage of that. Like I can be upset with him and then know that I get the upper hand because he doesn't, because he'll quickly want me to not be upset with him and then take on more than is really his responsibility. And, you know, while I, in the face of that would say, no, don't do that. I know what's mine and don't take it on. But I know in myself that I can instinctively in a moment of my own dysregulation or whatever, give off energy and dysregulation that I know he'll go and start picking it up. And I like that. <laughs> so I'm just owning, you know, what I was thinking about last night is I like that and I do that still and it's not fair to him. Mm. No, that's so tender and real, totally real. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm like, all the ways I'm taking advantage of Kayla in like moments where I have the way where I go in there. So um, tell us where, where do they find you? Where do they find the Art of Loving course? Sure. So my website, which is just my last name, finlayson-fife.com. And on there, there's a podcast archives. You can listen to more podcasts where there's topics. You can even look it up by different topics. Um, but then I have five courses and one of them is the men's um, self and sexual development course. I have a parallel women's course. The men's course is the art of loving. The women's course is the art of desire, but the art of loving is right there under the courses tab, online courses. And so you can do this as a self-paced course and you then have office hours with me. There's also a Facebook group with a lot of awesome men on there that have gone through these principles, have had their marriages and things really of their relationship to themselves and their sexuality evolving and their great support to other men as well. So um, just super impressed with a lot of these men and the kind of courage they have. Um, so anyway, you can find the course there and it's, it's, it's a long, it's like, I don't know, it's like at least 19 hours of content, <laughs> but it's awesome. I mean, I'm quite proud of it actually, because, you know, thank you for not playing small. Own it. Legit. <laughs> yeah, I think for a while I was like, well, how can a woman be talking to men about sexuality? But I love a man and I'm grateful for his sexuality. And male sex masculine sexuality is such a wonderful thing and such a gift. And it, it can be anyway. And so I think, at least from my experience and my working with men, kind of what can I offer in terms of really thinking through who you are in relationship to yourself, to your integrity, to your partner and to your sexuality and how to make that more honest and more trustworthy and also more of a source of strength and beauty in your life. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and dropping just it was raining Huge nuggets truth of bombs. wisdom. <laughs> truth truth. So thank you so much for taking some of your time uh, to share it here with us. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure too. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, 
Check out the links in the show notes below to find her website, online courses she offers, information on upcoming events, and her free Facebook group.